Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. But this week, we are going to be finishing chapter five, Perakei. And the Mishnah that we're going to be doing this week is chapter five, Mishnah 26. Perakei Mishnah Chavav. And really, this week will put a, I guess, will come to a close, the fifth chapter. We're really moving along here. Um, and actually, according to some opinions, this is sort of like the end of Perkeavos. There is another chapter, which is um, really, I think, assortment of different brisos. But this week, we're going to be finishing the chapter. And there's some different ideas which I wanted to share with everybody that hopefully can give us some clarity in the Mishnah and help us be better people. The Mishnah begins. Ben Bagbag Oimer, Ben Bagbag, the son of Bagbag, says, Delve into it, it's referring to the Torah, and continue to delve into it. The Kulaba, because everything's in the Torah. And he continues, and look deep into it. Don't just learn the Torah and look at it. Delve into it deeply. Grow old and gray over it. And do not stir from it. Do not, I guess, detach from it. For you can have no better portion than it, than the Torah. And the Mishnah continues, Ben Heihe Omer, Ben Heihe says, the son of Heihe, Lefum Tsara Agra. In proportion to the exertion is the reward. Or the reward is in proportion to the exertion. That would be more correct. So we have two different, I guess, quotes from the, from the Mishnah. Number one is from Ben Heihe, which is more of a longer statement, right? Is delve into the Torah. Don't just delve into it regularly. Delve into it. Hold on a second. Delve into the Torah. And don't just delve into it on a superficial level. Delve into it deeply and stay attached to it. Do not break from it. And there's nothing better than it. And then Bar Heihe, right? Or Ben Heihe. The son of Hay says, Lafum Tsara Agra, according to the, the reward is according to the exertion. Now, the first thing which I wanted to take note over here in this Mishnah, really two things, is that number one is that this Mishnah is written in Aramaic. The Mishnayos earlier, and in, you know, in this whole chapter, were all written in Hebrew. And now in this Mishnah, we are continuing in Aramaic and there's different reasons that are given as to why that's the case. And I, I, I think that one of the reasons was is that at the time of, of the Mishnah, that was the, 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 the spoken language of people was Aramaic. 
And it seems like the, the Mishnah is giving us the expressions and the phrases that were very common among people at that time. And that's the language they spoke was Aramaic. And this was the phraseology they used when it referred to the Torah and its reward and how to live your life by it. Another point which I want to just take note of is the interesting names of the two rabbis, the two Tanoim of this Mishnah. You have Ben Bagbag, the son of Bagbag, and Ben Heihei. Seems interesting. You know, we, until now, we've had very clear names, right? You had uh, Yehuda Ben Tema, you had, you had uh, many, many different names that we had. But the, the names that the Mishnah lists for the Tanoim are interesting. What's Ben Bagbag, the son of Bagbag? It's not a, it's not, doesn't mean anything, right? Bar hey 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 is a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. What's the significance or what's the whole meaning of their names? Who are they? What do their names mean? What's the significance of it? So according to some, according to some commentators, Ben Bagbag and Bar hey hey were actually the son uh, or the children of converts. And really at that time, and really even more recently during that time, if, if a non-Jew would convert to Judaism, they would be liable to be put to death and their families would be at risk. And this is something which we find even, even up to relative, you know, relatively modern times <clears throat> that people who would convert to Judaism, you know, maybe even a hundred years ago in Europe, if they would convert from Christianity to, to Judaism, they would be in mortal danger. And there are stories where converts, they went through the process of becoming Jewish and they had to run for their lives and they got caught and they got killed. There's a famous story of Avram ben Avram, Abraham, the son of Abraham, who lived in about the 1700s, who was a righteous convert and he ran away. It's a very fascinating story. He, he was the son of a Polish nobleman and he had to run away from his family and his family sent you know, troops throughout Poland to find him and to bring him back to his parents' house. And to make a long story, story short is that end of the day, they, they caught him. He was found and they gave him a choice, I guess, to go back to Christianity or be killed. And he chose to, to die as a Jew and he was burnt at the stake. And he, was, he made a Kiddush Hashem. He was Mikadashim Shemayim. He sanctified the name of God. So we see this in history that people who converted to Judaism were in grave danger from the church, from their family, and so on and so forth. So Bar Heihe and Bar Ben Bagbag were both children or descendants of converts. And in order to pr protect their identity, the Mishnah gives them, gives them a, I guess, uh, a uh, what's the expression? Code names in order that they shouldn't be, I guess, discovered or, or, or found. And the, the, the way we know this is because if you look at the names Ben Bagbag, right, you take the letters Bez and Gimel, right? The Hebrew letters in, have a numerical value. If you go through the Aleph Bez, each letter has a numerical value. Aleph is one, Bez is two, Gimel is three, Dalit is four, and He is five. So if you take the letters Bayes and Gimel, that's two and three, and you put them together, you have five. And five is what, which letter in the Aleph Bayes? Hey. And we know 
that Avram Avinu and Sarah, who are considered the father and mother of all converts, right? If a when a Jewish when a convert can when a um, a ger that's a, the term in Hebrew converts to Judaism, and they call him up to the Torah, they obviously has his own Hebrew name, <clears throat> but when we call up to the Torah, we always say Shlomo, right? My name is Shlomo Yehuda Ben Moshe Mordechai Akohen. So my father's name, right? That's my father's name. So I'm always Ben, your father. But if someone's not Jewish, so how do you refer to them as? And even for a woman as well, right? If a person needs a Misha Beirach, they want to get a uh, blessing, or they, they want a Misha Beirach, for example, or, or you're davening for somebody, you're praying for somebody. We always, in Judaism, we go by the, the from the father's name or the mother's name, if, depending if someone's sick. So a convert, when we call them to the Torah, we call them Ben Avram, whatever their name is. Let's say um, Shimon Ben Avram. And if it's a woman, we call her Bas Sarah, because Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu, Abraham and Sarah, were the father and mother of all converts. Now, how does the hay come in? If you look in the Torah portion uh, in Bereshis, not, not in, in the book of Bereshis, we know that Avram Avinu, his name originally was Avram without the hay. And Sarah's name was Sarai without the hay as well. And it was only later on that the hay was added into their name to become Avraham and Sarah. So therefore, Ben Bagbag is like a code to tell us that these were the these hidden converts, the code name for the converts to protect them, because two plus three, Bayes and, and Gimel, which is two plus three equals hay, equals five, which is the names, the hays, two hays were, were added to the names of Ramavinu to and to Sarah. And that gives us that code. That's how we're able to crack that code. Another explanation is that Bagbag refers to, it's a, a shortened version for a phrase that bag and bag, the two times bag is referring to Ben Ger and Bas Giores. That the, the Tana, the, the author of this mission, or the, the, the one who teaches us this saying was the son of a convert, right? Ben Ger, which is Bez Gimel, and Bas Giores, which is also Bez Gimel. So it's to teach us that, it's another way that we could crack that code. And Ben Hehe as well is the same idea that, that the hay signifies that they're connected to Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu who had Hayes added to their name. So we said the Mishnah states or starts off with Ben Bagbag Oimer, Hafachba Hafachba de Kulaba. It says, delve into it, jump into the Torah, learn it, and continue to delve into it because everything is in it. Now let's take this statement apart, right? And, and he continues, you should, you should not leave go of it. You should look deeply into it. And you should grow, get old over it because there's nothing better than it. The first idea which I wanted to convey from this Mishnah is this idea of hafachba the hafachba. Delve into it and delve into it. What, what does it mean? Keep looking at it, keep looking at it. So there's a few thoughts which I wanted to bring, which really is, is integral. Number one is, is that when it comes to Torah study, we have a obligation to constantly delve into our learning, to continue to learn. 
it's it's a lifelong occupation. And unfortunately, there's a mistaken notion out there that a person gets bar mitzvahed and they'll learn how to read from the Torah and then they're done. And maybe they'll make a token appearance by Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And maybe they could do uh, have, have some challah on Rosh Hashanah with the raisins in it and gefilte fish and matzah balls and some matzah on Pesach. And we're good. The Torah is looked at as more of like a ancient relic, God forbid. It's looked at as a history book um, and something which maybe doesn't have any reference to today's world. We could put it, you know, God forbid, you could take it, put it on your bookshelf. It should be for display. It could be a nice, something you could look at, but it's not something which you constantly have to be involved in, constantly have to study. That's a incorrect understanding of the Torah and Judaism as a whole. Because truth be told, the, the first part or the main idea, what makes the Jewish people Jewish? What makes us Jews? What makes us unique? What makes us a nation? Is, is the fact that we have a Torah and that it's something which we are attached to. And it's something which we are constantly involved in. It's something which gives us an identity as Jewish people. It makes us who we are. If there wouldn't be a Torah, we wouldn't be in existence today. Fine, gefilte fish tastes good. Raisin challah is delicious as well. But that's not what makes us a nation. It makes us a people. What makes us who we are. The study of Torah is something which is essential to our survival. And it must be something which is constant throughout our lives. I wanted to show everybody tonight to go through it with everyone. There is a, a Gemara in Brachos. The Talmud states in Brachos, Samach Aleph Amabay 61b, a very interesting Gemara which can give us an outlook, which can help us understand our connection to the Torah. And by extension, help us understand this Mishnah, right? So we're, we're trying to convey the idea to, to better understand that the Torah is not something which is a history book, something which is not relevant. It's something which we need to constantly be working on, constantly be learning. It's a lifelong occupation. And I want to get to soon about this outlook of, of what we need to do, our responsibilities. So the Gemara says, I'm going to read the Hebrew and I'll translate. The rabbis taught in the Brisa. Once the wicked regime, the Roman government, right? It was changed because of the censors. That's why it says wicked regime instead of the Romans. Decreed that the Jewish people should not engage in the study of Torah. Papas ben Yehuda. Papas ben Yehuda came. And found Rabbi Akiva. As he was having a or convening a public assembly of Torah study, and he was engaging in Torah with the people, right? So the Romans said, Don't learn Torah. And Rabbi Akiva was defying them openly and having study groups. So what Papas Ben Yehuda came and he 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 um he questions him. He said, Papa said to him. 
Because Akiva, this is Akiva. Are you not afraid of the of the Roman authorities? So Amrlach, Rabbi Akiva said back to him, "Em I'm going to give you a parable that will ex- help you understand and will explain my own actions. Okay? So again, the Romans made a decree: anyone who learns Torah is going to be put to death. Rabbi Akiva defied that edict and went in public and taught Torah. Papus, so, a, a, someone came to Rabbi, to Rabbi Akiva and questions him, why are you doing this? Aren't you nervous? So I'm going to explain to you with a parable that will give you some insight into why I'm doing what I'm doing. So Lama Adavar Daima says, to, to what is the situation compared to? It says, to a fox who is walking alongside a river. And he saw fish that were jumping around in the river and they're running away from something in the river. That's what the fox saw. So Amr Lahem, the fox said to the fish, says, The fox is talking to the fish now. He's giving a parable. Rabbi Akiva is giving a parable. The fox is at the riverbed and he sees the fish running away from something. So the fox says, what are you guys running away from? He says, Amr Lo, they told him, we're running away from the nets that people are bringing to catch us. We don't want to get caught by the fishermen. So Amalem, the fox said to the fish, Is it your wish that you come up to the dry land? You'll be safe. Come to the dry land and you'll be safe from the nets. Come, come onto the dry land. And we shall dwell together, I and you, just as my answers dwelt with your answers, ancestors. Meaning we'll, we'll make peace. You're running away from the fishermen. Come to the dry land and we'll live in peace with each other. So Amrlo, the fish, said back to the fox, Are you the one who they describe as the cleverest of all animals, right? That's what the Torah describes the fox as a, a very clever and cunning animal. So the fish said, are you supposed to be, you know, this is a little bit of a rhetorical question. Aren't you supposed to be the smartest of all the animals, the most cunning animal in the whole animal kingdom? So the fish say back to him, you're not clever, you're a fool. And they answer him, if in the climate that sustains our life, we are afraid, meaning in the area, in the place, in the water, where we are sustained in the water, fish live in the water, we're, we're, we're still scared. In the climate that we will induce our death, should we not be afraid of all the more so? Meaning on dry land, where we're not meant to live, we're even in a worse situation, right? You're telling me come into the dry land, but that's such a foolish thing to do because if in the place that we're meant to be, we're, we're, we're nervous. So in the place that we're not meant to be, we should be even more nervous. It doesn't make any sense to do that. It says, Afanachnu, so too is the situation facing us, the Romans. If now, as we sit and engage in the study of Torah, about which it's written, 
for it is your life and the length of your days. Kach, kach, we are nevertheless threatened by such a danger. Meaning, if when we're learning Torah, the Romans still want to, they're out to get us, to kill us, and we're in such a danger, if we would just not learn Torah, all the more so we'd be in danger. So the, the Gemara is giving us a profound insight into our relationship, into our connection to Torah. That just like a fish belongs in water, so too, our, that's our connection to the Torah. That it's, we have to look at it, that it's, it's essential for our survival. And that's a, a, a lesson I think that we get from this Mishnah as well, because Ben Bagbag is telling us, delve into it, continue to delve into it. Don't let go of it. There's nothing better than it. And it's really, it's, it's really coming to push away the mistaken notions that really society unfortunately has today that, God forbid, a person might say the Torah is outdated. It doesn't apply to the 21st century. And it really is the furthest thing from the truth because the Torah is as relevant today as it was the day it was given at Sinai. And it's something we need to remember. And it, it's just this idea of keeping that connection and not letting go. Just another point which I wanted to bring out about this first statement of Ben Bagbag that, that he says, delve into it, delve into it, everything's in it, right? Is this idea that no matter, you know, we're talking about having this connection to Torah and, and not letting go of it. <clears throat> and it's just important to remember that Torah learning is, is, is necessary for every person in every stage of their life, right? You could have someone who is very busy or they have a lot of things that are occupying them. It's still necessary for them to make time to study. And although you're right, the times might be different depending on a person and the situation in life, but every person must assess their own situation and make an honest assessment about how much they could do because it's, it's, it's very important to have some form of daily study. So for some people, it could be five hours for other people. It could be five minutes for other people. It could be an hour, but the main thing is, is that every day we're putting time in to keep our connection in Torah, right? You can't just say I'm connected to the Torah. You have to actively do something to maintain that connection. And that means a constant study. And later on in the, in the podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the benefits of keeping that connection. But the, the way you, you don't let go of the Torah and you keep delving into it is that you have a set time for Torah study. Um, and you make it your business, no matter what co comes across your day, what happens in your day, that you're going to make time for it. And it's, it's something that besides, you know, might be a challenge for some, but it's something which you ultimately cherish because the more you push, the more you are challenge yourself to do something on a daily basis, the more you cherish it.
And obviously the studying itself is something which could bring someone close to, and it fills a certain void in our neshama and our soul. It feeds our soul. It makes us closer to Hashem. But just even on the, the psychological side for a moment, when somebody makes a commitment, even if it's a small commitment, which is extremely valuable, the, the, the benefits which a person gains from maintaining that goal and maintaining that connection is a very, very special um, feeling. It's a special place. Um, and it's something that we should really cherish. So whatever we're able to do, whatever, you know, could be certain people have more time than others, and that's understood. But the idea is that everybody has some time. Everybody has, you know, everyone, what's the expression? Everyone has time for what's important to them. Everyone has money for what's important to them. So studying Torah and doing mitzvos should be the top of our list as well. And, you know, maybe it's not going to be five hours like it is for someone else, but it could be five minutes and it could be an hour, whatever it is. Maybe today it's five minutes. Next week it'll be seven minutes. But the idea is we should make an honest calculation, an honest assessment to look at our uh, situation in life and to find something where we can make a commitment on a steady basis that we aren't disconnecting ourselves in the Torah. We're keeping that connection alive. And in essence, an extension, when we keep that connection to the Torah alive, we're keeping our, our, our connection to Hashem close as well. Because there the best connection, the best way a person can get close to Hashem to get close to God is by learning Torah. And we know that's why the world was created. If you look in the first chapter of Misil Sesharim in the, in the path of the just, he says very clearly that a person was created to indulge, I guess, I don't know the exact translation, to, I guess, to get close to Hashem, to, to, to enjoy the divine splendor. So when we do, when we learn Torah and, and, Mitzvot as well, but it's not the same as learning Torah. That's the top level of it. We gain this closeness and there's nothing else like it. And we know that the Talmud relates that if a person just studies Torah by themselves and does nothing else, the light in the Torah has the power to bring someone back and to put them on the correct path. And even that in itself, the study itself, right, the, has the ability to turn someone's soul and to change them to be a better person. So we see clearly that studying Torah is the, the best vitamin, the best antidote that someone can have to, to get that connection to Hashem and also to fight his Yitzhara, to fight the evil inclination as well. So there, there's actually, just to, to really bring home this point about how everyone has the ability to make time for themselves. No one's too busy or too poor or too rich to study Torah. The Tama relates... In in Gemara and in, in Yuma, Lamed Hayam Abayz 35b, that when a person comes up to heaven and they're going to ask certain questions, it's brought down in different parts in the Talmud, a little bit of a picture of God willing after 120, you know, what, what, what happens when we go upstairs and we have to answer for our actions. And there's certain questions which are asked of a person. And the Gemara, the Talmud, goes through different answers that a person might have and explains how he's going to be answered to by the divine court. You know, and, and, and I don't want to go through the Gemara 
word by word now, but I'm just going to maybe explain it outside. And the Gemara explains and tells us that if a person goes up there and says, I was too poor. So the Gemara says, you were not as poor as Hillel. Hillel was the great sage. He was so poor that he had to listen to the study hall. He went on top of the roof of the, of the synagogue to listen to the, to the classes. You weren't as poor as him. How come he didn't study? Or if you're too rich, you couldn't have been as rich as um, Rebbe Lazar, right? Rebbe Lazar ben Kharsam, the great sage. He had a great amount of wealth, and he still managed to study Torah. And whatever answer we have um, will be shown someone else who had it, quote unquote, worse than us or better than us, but yet they still had the ability to study. So the idea is, is like I said before, things that are important, we make time for, right? If it's important to us, we will we'll make time for us. Yeah. Granted, it doesn't have to be an hour. Maybe it's less than that, but we have to have that set aside time to keep that connection very strong. The Mishnah continues. Everything's in the, in the Torah. Delve into it, continue to delve into it, for everything is in it. Look deeply into it, grow old and gray over it, and do not stir from it, for you can know no better portion than it. And just the idea I wanted to discuss very quickly is this thought that the Torah is unique in that other wisdoms of the world, once you study it enough, there's nothing more to study. You memorize it, you got it. Right, you keep you can't keep looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and learn new things from it. When we learn Torah, as I mentioned in previous pod, podcasts, everybody has a portion in Torah, and there are certain areas in Torah that only you could bring to this world. And it's we know that if a person learns again and again and again, each time they have the ability to learn something new that they didn't recognize the time beforehand. It's the depth uh, and the wisdom of the Torah are uncomprehensible. That's something which makes it unique. And the Mishnah continued, the Kulaba, everything's in it. Everything's in the Torah. We know that when Hashem created the world, he looked to the Torah and he created the world. And the expression, how the, the dicta, the dicta, how, how it's referred to is that Hashem looked into the Torah and created the world. That everything is in the Torah. You know, there's expression in Yiddish. Alt is in the Torah. Everything is in the Torah. And I mean, and, and nowadays you do see this in a little, in a little way. You know, I, I'm sure many of you have heard of the, the Bible codes. You know, I, I don't know really much about it, but I, I think what, what it was referred to, known for is that these people, I guess, they take certain events and they look backwards into the Torah to find codes that reveal past events um, in the Torah. But I mean, it's not so astonishing because everything is in the Torah. It's just if we have to have the wisdom to find it. And it really gets back to what I mentioned before. If we have this belief and we know that everything is in the Torah, that the blueprint of the world was made from the Torah, so then it, it has to be that the relevance of the Torah is just as much now as it was the day it was given by Har Sinai. And we should not be mistaken and think it's not relevant for this time, for our generation, because the guidance and the lessons and the teachings of the Torah are more relevant than ever.
Now the, the Mishnah, this Ben Bagbag's teaching finishes off with that there's no better portion than this. There is nothing better than studying Torah. Now, if you look for an investment for all the for all of you who are investors, what's a good investment? 10%, 15%, 20%. That's a great investment. When it comes to Torah, the return is 110%. There's no better way for a person to spend their time and their effort and to invest their understanding and to teach and to learn than, to, than, than the time studying Torah. So you might ask me, why is that? Why should I say sitting right now, listening to a Pirkei Avos podcast, why is that the most valuable thing I could be doing with my time? Right? I could be making money. I could be playing sports. I could be exercising. I could be eating. I could be spending time with my family. Those things are important. But if you look at it and they have their place, and in the Torah as well, they have their place. But if you look at each one independently, there is, there's nothing as important and as special as studying Torah. Because if, if you look at it, there's really two reasons. Number one, when we think of other physical pleasures or other things we could be involved in with our time, right? The, whatever we do during that time, whatever we produce, how long is, are the results of that going to last? So if we eat a cookie, enjoys, we enjoy it for about 0.5 seconds and it goes down our throat. And then we're hungry about uh, 15 minutes later. Um, when we spend time with someone, fine. It's important to do these things. It's not you have to spend time with your children, your spouse, your friends. It's an important thing. But after a few minutes, it's over. You're, you're at your next thing, what you're doing. If you're making money, right? You can make a lot of money, but eventually the money is gone. A person is out of this world, right? We, we don't go to the next world with our money. So, but if you look at the study of Torah, we know that when we learn Torah and do mitzvos, it's something which is eternal. You know, you think of that word for a minute, eternal. That means forever. The reward is forever. It's, it's something that we really even can't understand, like uh, comprehend. It's too hard to understand. So that's the first reason why it's the most valuable investment, because if the results are last the longest, so then obviously the act um, what you're doing is creating, is having the biggest ramifications. So the, that in itself makes it the most valuable. And then, and the second reason, which I wanted to give is that there, like I mentioned before, the study of Torah brings someone closer to Hashem. And we know that our mission in this world, right? That we have a, we have different, everyone has their unique mission, but mankind as a, the Jewish people and mankind as a whole have this, job to, I guess, to get close to Hashem and to, and to spread the word of Hashem. <clears throat> and the way we do that is by learning because that's the, the Torah is our conduit to that connection, right? God is spiritual and we are physical and the, we have a spiritual soul. And the Torah is the, is, the, is the pipe which allows us to connect and get closer and closer. So that in itself, if it's the purpose of mankind and the purpose of our creation, so then, there, then there's nothing better than we could do. Nothing, there's no other better way that we could spend our time. 
The Mishnah continues, Ben hey hey oimer lefum tsara agra. The reward is in proportion to the exertion. What does this mean? The reward is in proportion to the exertion. So it means if I put in more energy, I get more reward. Why should that be like that? In this world, in the corporate world, right? If someone puts an effort and they don't produce results, what happens to them? So maybe the first time the boss will forgive them and let them stay on the job. The second time, again, maybe he'll let them stay. But the third time, if an employee tries really hard but is not producing results, what happens? He gets fired because it's about the bottom line. It's not, it's not about the effort, right? Sure, obviously, you're looking for someone who puts an effort to your job. You want someone who's going give give, to give his all over, but you also want results. If someone puts in the most effort, but he's not getting the job done at all, he's going to be canned, right? Because in this world, we're about the results. But when it comes to spiritual pursuits, when it comes to the Torah, when it comes to mitzvos, the beauty, what, one of the things that makes Judaism unique is the fact that it's not about the results. It's about our effort. Because I've, as I've mentioned in the past, the results are not in our hands. We can only do our part. The success ultimately depends on Hashem, right? We can't forsake our obligations and say, I'm not going to do anything. And if Hashem, if God wants me to be successful, he'll take care of me. We have to do our due diligence and we have to put our effort forward to learn, to study, to work hard, to sweat, tears, blood. We have to give ourselves over to understand something. We have to push ourselves to get out the door and to go study, to go to shul, right? We can't just sit back and relax and say, God wants me to do that. He'll take me there and I, uh, he'll take me there and I'll float there. You know, it reminds me of the joke with the helicopter. There's once a guy, there's a flood coming. And he goes to the top of his, he goes to his, his house. The water is getting higher and higher. First, the boat comes and says, sir, jump onto the boat. And he says, no, God's going to save me. And then the water is getting higher. He goes up to the next floor and, they, and they, uh, a ladder, another type of boat comes with a fire truck. They come, sir, come out. He says, God's going to save me. Finally, the, the water is rising even higher. And he goes to the roof and a helicopter comes. He says, God's going to save me. Go away. And what happens is the water overtakes the house. He drowns and he dies. He comes up to heaven and he says, God, why didn't you save me? He said, who do you think sent you the boat, the fire truck, the helicopter? The point is that we have to do our effort. And if we feel that we're putting in our effort, even if we're not getting the results that we desire, we have to know that we, the reward that we're going to get just for putting the effort is could be even bigger than someone who has way, way more results than us, right? And just to put this in perspective, a regular person who does a mitzvah, who learns Torah, and it's extremely hard for them. It's hard to concentrate. It's hard to get out the door. It's hard to understand, right? And they learn one word, one line, one verse, one Mishnah, one Gemara, and they learn it. They put their effort in. The reward that they receive from that one word, one verse, one Mishnah, one Gemara could be more than somebody who learned the entire Torah because the other guy who learned the entire Torah, it was easy for him. He didn't have to push himself. He had a photographic memory. So even though he learned more than the little guy, he didn't get the reward 
because he didn't put the effort in. It's all about the effort. It's all about the effort. And that's what this Mishnah, that's what Ben Heihe is telling us, that we shouldn't look at the results. Put the effort in. Put the effort in and focus on that. Do the best you can. Be the best you can be, right? Like the Marines. Be the best you can be. Because that's all is what expected of you is to be the best you can be. You're not expected to be the greatest sage. You're not expected to be the biggest rabbi. You're not expected to be the guy with the photographic memory. You're expected to be you. And you're expected to put your best effort forward. And that is what the Mishnah is telling us. So again, just to do a quick review, the idea that the Torah is something which is integral, keeping that connection, making time every day to study, knowing what we're doing is special, that it's essential for us to keep that connection. And and finally, Ben Heye, the idea that it's about the effort, giving your all, giving it your best shot and putting your best effort forward and not focusing so much about the results. I hope you guys enjoyed. that's it for today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. Mazel Tov on finishing chapter five of Perkeyavos. We are moving right along. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi shlomo koma the K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.